lifelong readers you are in the place to be this is books of pop culture i'm the master curator reggie bailey he's the question god Achille Nazuri. Achille, how you feeling hey i'm feeling good you know feeling good feeling great uh i've been in a a really interesting uh book lately <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah <laughs> how you man. feeling I'm I'm good, man. It's uh it's clockwork over here, you know. Word, I'm telling you, you need that in your life. You need that in your life. It's, it's <laughs> clockwork, man. Um, you know, lifelong readers, the fellowship, whoever you are, we appreciate you because you could be anywhere in the world right now, right? But you are here sharing the privilege of your time with us. That's a privilege we do not take lightly. So thank you. We truly appreciate you. And chances are you're at you know YouTube spotify you know google podcast app podcast whatever right um and and on those places you can do things we really like you can subscribe to us you can follow us you can you know leave a like and of course you can leave a review you know you could you can leave a bad review like if you make it go viral right since negativity tends to like spread faster than positivity other than that though if you can't make your negativity go viral then we just need you to just give us five stars all right and definitely tell a friend you know tell tell a neighbor you know send a text phone call, whatever the case may be, tell someone, digital community, that you enjoyed your time spent with Books of Pop Culture. Then, since you're going to want to spend more time with us, right, go to booksofpopculture.com, subscribe to The Days, which is our newsletter. Achilles putting out pieces every Monday. I'm putting out pieces every Tuesday. And join the Patreon community, the fellowship. It's amazing. We're talking a whole bunch of stuff over there. We're giving you bonus content, early episodes, right? So join the fellowship and spend quality time with uh, Killy and I and the rest of the BAPC community. Um, Killy, it's clockwork, man. This conversation about to be clockwork. It might be, but it ain't going to be orange, though, but it's going to be clockwork. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> man? We, we got, uh, you know, our, our guest today was born in Nigeria in 1993 and has an MA in creative writing from the University of East Anglia, where he received the Booker Prize foundation scholarship and he is based in norwich y'all might remember this from a recent episode in norwich new jersey <laughs> shout out to norwich, norwich. shout out to norwich <laughs> <laughs> our guest today is steven bureau and we will be talking to him about the five sorrowful mysteries of andy africa after this quick break Stephen Bureau, appreciate you, brother. Thank you for for joining us, taking the time across the pond, or or what? What are we supposed to say across the ocean? What are we supposed to the say? The big river, the big across river. The big well, river. well, he's across the pond now. If he's in the UK, oh, you, yeah, yeah, you in the UK, so that's across the pond. That's across the pond. You was recording with us from Nigeria. We would say across the big river. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nonetheless, man, now we appreciate this. It's always a treat, man, when we get to speak to, to folks across uh, the, the pond or the big river. So or thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. And hopefully, hopefully by the end of this episode, Stephen, you'll go around and you'll tell someone, hey, I got two new drugs. I got two new drugs, yeah. Yeah, my goal at the end of this episode is to become a drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that would be that would be that was so much fun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. How are you doing genuinely? And when we say genuinely, um, you know, we mean it. Like if you have 
trapped gas, like if you, you know, uh, if your stomach's hurting, you can let us know. So how are you doing genuinely? Yes, yeah, so um, I think I'm fine. Um, so as I said, um, recovering from a cold and um, yeah, but, but I think I think I should be coherent enough uh, for this interview. And um, yeah, so now and then I might still stop to blow my nose a bit, but I should be fine. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, good, nah, good. man, and that's that's no problem, man. The magic, yeah. the magic of pre-recording is nobody will know know when you stop to blow your nose, man. Yeah, it's all yeah. good. And we definitely support yeah. clear noses here. Uh, clear yeah, noses, clear nostrils. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Man, so I'm a I'm gonna ask you a question. I ask everybody, Stephen, but I'm also gonna provide what I think about first, right? So, you know, when I when I think about, I guess you and your work, right? something even in your bio that stood out to me is like the, the Booker Prize uh, scholarship, right? Which, you know, everybody even over here, like we all know about the Booker if we're in the books, right? And, and you know, that's, that's to us one of like the biggest prizes like in the world. And, you know, you have your debut novel that just, that just hit us, right? And it comes, you know, with essentially some backing from, you know, the, the, the Booker in, in a way right or or your maybe even not your book but like your your writing right your career has made some contact with the booker right and there's some type of like stamp some type of prestige that comes <laughs> with you before we even turn a page if, if that makes sense right um so i think of that and i want to ask you what is the most important lesson you've learned about the business of writing? Honestly, um, I mean, I don't know. I, I would just keep having to learn, but right? I mean, there's so many lessons, so many things. Oh, I mean, and, learn, and I even yeah. say, Stephen, you could tell yeah. us as many lessons yeah. as you want. Like we love, <laughs> yeah. we love this insight from from yeah. writers. When we get you with the droogs, man. Take your time. <laughs> yeah, it ain't no yeah, rush, baby. Yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, so many things. I can't even think of any in particular. But, uh, but as I said, I mean, it's a business, right? I mean, writing is a business, and um, um, I mean, I mean, there, there's so many people who are, I mean, behind the scenes, who are working. I mean, I mean, for a book now, anybody who picks up this book, we just see Stephen Burrow, yeah, on the front cover. But, um, but I mean, there've been so many people who have made this book possible. So many people and. And who have worked tirelessly, who have believed, um, and who have supported me in so many ways. I mean, you mentioned the Booker Prize Foundation, for example. Yeah, I mean, without the scholarship and and the opportunities they've exposed me to, I I don't know. This book probably wouldn't have appeared now. I mean, yeah, um, yeah. I'm so thankful to them, and of course to I mean my university and uh, University of East Anglia here, and uh, I mean. I mean, the studentships, the opportunities, the people they've exposed me to also. Yeah, of course, my publishers, my editors, um, the publicists, all those guys. I mean, they've worked, I mean, the copy editors, the... I mean, there's so many people behind the scenes anyway who have who have really made this book possible and uh, who have, I mean, made the quality to be what it is. And um, and uh, I think that, that is what uh, many writers, especially when we're young, we're just coming up, who don't really know about some of these things and uh, um, yeah so it's just good to re realize that again it's a business and and of course the publishers are also invested in, in that and 
and uh, yeah, and 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 it's a, again for as just like all businesses, there's I mean so much hard work involved. Um, I mean, you have to go out, you have to be passionate, you have to, you meet many enthusiastic people, but now and then you also have to, I mean, be nice to people, be, yeah. And again, and in the end, I mean, the last thing I'm going to say, like the whole publishing industry is, is so niche, it's so close, uh, close together, it's so, uh, what would I say? However, it's also a very small, small industry, many people do know each other, and, and now and then, of course, they might seem the different publishers or different agencies might seem to be like competitors, but now and then they actually do work together, which is which is really amazing to see. And they, they collaborate and all that. And um, more, than I, more than I thought, like for example, when we're trying to sell, when we're pitching this book to publishers, and uh, like a number of editors who showed interest in the in the novel. I mean, most of them, if not all, they actually gave me notes, gave me feedback which actually helped me in, in this book and uh, helped me in the revision process. And which, I mean, I wouldn't have expected because they themselves, they knew that there was a chance that I wouldn't stand with them and all. And, uh, but they were still kind. I mean, they, they're all passionate about books. And, all, and that is really lovely to see. Yeah? Very, very lovely to see for a new writer. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one thing I'm even, I'm even thinking of, right, when you talk about just all this collaboration, right, and all this interest in your work, um, you know, your, your book is published here and in the UK, right? And, yeah. you know, we've had like, you know, Moses McKenzie, Gabriel Krauser, right? And just, you know, even American authors who have had their books published like in, in you know, multiple countries, right? Um, how, how has, what, what is that like for you, right? Like, like, I know you're based in the UK and I'm sure you had so many interactions with your UK publisher, but are you also finding that you have heavy interaction with like the US, uh, you know, Bloomsbury for, for those listening who don't know, did you, do you find that you're having like equal, um, equal interactions with Bloomsbury over here in the US too? Yes, exactly. I mean, yeah. um, I mean, my, so my editorial team, right, is made up of, uh, of two editors, my New York editor, right? Yeah. Then I know and, and my, uh, UK editor Alexis Kishbom. So I mean, they both collaborated very intimately, very strongly with each. I mean, with each other. Uh, I mean, they gave me the same set of notes, and those notes all come from both of them having several meetings with each other, like discussing and trying to convince each other anyway on their positions regarding different elements on the book. And uh, yeah, before they pass on the note to me, and and of course I've been in collaboration with so many other Bloomsbury US. Uh, uh, staff, right? Like, for example, my public, my uh, New York public publicist, for example, um, um, like the head of marketing, for example, at Bloomsbury US, and they, like so many other people there, and and of um, and of course not just Bloomsbury US, and my book is also been published in um, in like in, in Germany, and uh, so I'm, I've also been in like interaction with um, in, in collab close collaboration with my. Um, German publisher and, and the other like people like there behind the scenes who, who work yeah yeah in the company so it's a it's a very very collaborative process and um yeah so I mean thanks to I mean the internet right I mean if this were like 30 or 40 years ago like all this wouldn't have been so possible like it would have been much more difficult but I mean thanks to the internet I mean can just get on to got on a zoom call with my editor my publicist like all these guys I mean abroad 
yeah, and uh, can share ideas and like communicate and all, and uh, yeah, yeah. And and now I promise I'll be quiet after this and, and no, 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 please, no, please go like ask, yeah, yeah this, 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 the, the collaborative piece is really interesting. I don't think anyone has ever came up and kind of talked about that, so yeah, I'm digging yeah. it, yeah, no, I'm yeah. digging it too. And, and, and yeah. you, you spoke about the internet, right? And I always got to yeah. ask this, and maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. But I was looking for you on social media. I did not find you. <laughs> like, do you not? Are you not on social media uh, at all? Yeah, currently, currently, I'm, I'm not. Um, I mean, as a teenager and my early twenties too. I mean, I used to have like, I think, a Facebook account. I think I once had a Twitter account and all. But, but I need, I need to write this book. I need to write this book. I really need to write this book, and I had to make some crazy sacrifices. Like, you wouldn't believe that. I mean, I will give you like a very a sacrifice that might seem so banal to many people, but for example, like when writing this book, this early just early stages anyway. Um, I would let's say after like when I was still back at home, I mean Nigeria, my mother would put, I mean let's say cook some wonderful food, wonderful like me, like some some very wonderful stuff anyway, and let's say I would take it to my room to eat, and all, and but just before like eating a spoonful of of the food or a forkful of the food. And then I get an idea or something, mm-hmm. right, boys. And then and then I just drop. That's what how hungry I am. I mean, like, I keep the food there, and the food gets cold for hours. And I'm busy writing, and and I mean, of course, I love the process, but I mean, so much, so much sacrifice have to go in. And I mean, every writer is different. And and for me, social media and and writing, writing this, or or even doing because I'm currently doing a PhD, and and you know that it's just yeah, it just just couldn't work for me, and. Uh, yeah, despite the I mean the beauties and the and the huge opportunities that social media brings anyway, but I just had to like um yeah to choose this rather over yeah, something else, I think. Yeah. Stay because strong, was, brother. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sure I mean many viewers or whatever would would uh, yeah, would also want to ask some the questions. So so this is also like yeah, speaking to them too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt, yeah. no doubt, man. Yeah. And, and 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 I agree with Achille about staying strong too, because like yeah. it's like I have basically like I've been planning like my exit strategy. I want to get off social media, man. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? But at the same yeah, token, it's yeah. like like I would yeah. like like I feel like you and a lot of writers are in a position where y'all really don't have to do it. Like all you got to do is do the work, man. You got the team. You got your publisher. <laughs> so it's like like you got people who believe in you, right? Who are willing yeah, to yeah. say, yo, this guy's brilliant, right? Yeah, this guy's yeah, writing yeah. something you ain't read before. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And yeah. I just think that that's that's the dream where you get to focus on the work and you ain't gotta you ain't gotta do all that. So yeah, man, stay strong. Yeah. I'm happy for you. Yeah, yeah, and and to, to also add to that, uh, I think it's also of course I have to recognize my privilege. Yeah, it comes from a position of position of privilege. Like um, for example, I don't my day to day work doesn't involve like being on social media like to succeed. For example, mm-hmm. in terms of like let's say my studies, for example. Um, yeah, I mean, some people are paying me social media. I mean, to, to eat, right? To literally to eat, and 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 which is fine and everything. And so it's actually, I mean, a position, as I said, it, coming from a position of privilege. Yeah, that could say, oh, like now, nah, now nah, I have to just stay away from these so I can write something. Yeah, yeah, word, man. Yeah. Can you provide your synopsis or elevator pitch of what the five sorrowful mysteries of Andy Africa is about, and let us know the inspiration behind it. Yeah, so uh, my novel, The Five Sorrowful Mysteries of Ad Africa, is a, a coming of age story which is um, set in present day Nigeria. So it's about 
um, this 15-year-old boy called Andy, Andy Aziza, who is um, obsessed. I mean, he's smart and funny, right? And he's obsessed with um, blondes, uh, whiteness, the West, as well as who his true father is. And um, he is also ashamed of his poor and uneducated mother, who is a photographer. So, so the, the story in a nutshell is about how these feelings of shame, obsession, anger, rage, and all. So how all these feelings become intensified when Andy's life is suddenly like destabilized by communal violence. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah. Nice, ah. nice and tight and concise and hit all the points. Yeah, that was a good one. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, nah, yeah, thank you, you. Yeah, you, you, I, I could imagine him writing that down. I don't know if you did, but I, I can imagine you saying, all right, this is what I'm going to say when somebody asks me what my book is about. And you got that thing down. Now, I agree, man. Um, thank you. I mean, I'm, I'm sure my publicist will be so happy to hear you say things. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, for real. Because yeah. I'm going to ramble when they ask me. I'm be like, yeah. Like the, yeah, it's so, the, it's so important. Yeah, it's so impossible to say what a book. I mean, this is like a 300-odd-page 300 uh, novel. And I think 311. See what it yeah. is in a few words. It's, yeah, but whatever, yeah. I'll have to try anyway, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah word, word. <laughs> okay, man. All Africans have halos circling around their heads. Someday these halos will fuse into a planetary fire that HXVX cannot stand. Um. You know this this works you know as as what i thought was like the epigraph essentially uh for the five sorrowful mysteries of andy africa can you uh can you talk to us a bit about why you ended up choosing that uh as the epigraph for the work yeah um this is a huge question because for listeners who haven't read the book i mean they all want to understand what hxvx is right so like so i have to like oh talk about talk about it that's a little bit and then yeah, so like HXVX is um, a, I think we're going to talk about that more yeah, in the conversation as we go, but just briefly. So HXVX is this um, construct that my narrator and protagonist, Andy, uh, creates that is like this huge uh, supernatural, planetary, uh, uh, hyper object kind of force or whatever, or being that, that has been like the cause of many many of Africa's problems, uh, and all the issues plaguing Africa from, like in the past, from slavery, colonialism, um, I mean, the collapse of indigenous governments and all that, genocidalism uh, and all that. So, so whatever, so, and here, so in this, this epigraph now, so it's something I came up with anyway. So this epigraph, it's my narrator at the end of the story, whatever, because I'll do it at the beginning, but I mean, this, connects back to uh, the final lines of the, of, of, the, of the novel where Andy says, I am Andy Africa, greatest of all superheroes, suffering servant, conqueror of the suns, and fly. So, and like, to know us, Andy, Andy in the novel, Andy is a form of a superhero too, right? So, and uh, yeah, and, and he's like, he's, the character of the story is about him trying to conquer his HXVX. That's the story in, in, in a, in a in the one sense, when I'm trying to conquer HSVX. And, and so in this, in this epigraph, Andy reflects on, on how uh, Andy reflects and, and believes, whatever, because the story is about how he begins, he grows to believe on, I mean, this, right? How all Africans have halos circling around their heads. And some of these halos fuse into planetary fire 
let everything be external stand. And uh, so it's all about yeah um, uh, that uh, this an futurist theory, which we are going to talk about also in the novel um, about I mean uh, Africans uh, or Africa reclaiming its power. It's uh, I mean the African heritage and and the power it has in terms of defeating all the huge. Um, issues plaguing like contemporary Africa and all that. Some of the issues I just mentioned here. Man, so I want to say you're the first guest who we've had who actually consulted their book for an answer. Am I am I making that up, Akili? I think he's the first one who's ever, and I loved it. I don't know. I don't know. It had a long list. I know that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I have the words in my head, but yeah, I think it's always better too. To just to just read day and day, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And to sh- I mean, tell the parallels between the ending and the beginning, and all. And yeah, it's something that many like interviewers who have spoken to, I mean, perhaps yeah. don't talk about. More. Even this epigraph, epigraph, I think you're one of the like the first interviewers to actually highlight the epigraph, which is really amazing. Thank you for that. Yeah, of course, man. No doubt. Appreciate yeah. you. There are two books that I think are doing massive work in the seams of your novel. And those two books are Franz Kafka's Metamorphosis and Anthony Burgess's A Clockwork Orange. First, I need you to, of course, confirm that I'm right. And then I want you to talk about what influence you think each had on your work. Because I saw a lot of Alex and Gregor and Andy uh, as well. So what what influences, if if I am correct, what influences kind of come from those two? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're correct too, but in a sense too. But there are other texts, of course. I mean, and there are other texts that, um, I mean, that's that uh, they are also, I mean, uh, reflected. Because for me, uh, in terms of literature, how I see uh, literature, I think I'm hugely invested in this idea of intertextuality, how texts fuse each other, like reference, build each other, and all. Uh, yeah, I think that just makes that brings about a cohesion, right? Or streamlining of, of literature at all and it just makes like any new novel worth it right because you have to speak to what has come before you uh, all the things mm-hmm. that, that yeah yeah and all the narratives yeah and yeah i think that's something very powerful like like some of the underlying narratives here yeah, like in this novel like books previously published that might not be very over to readers but books like i mean things fall apart it's very mm-hmm. very huge yeah, the influence mm-hmm. here it's yeah yeah but of course I mean, this this one, the ones you mentioned are, are very, very overt and very, very important in the novel. Um, like on the one hand now, talking about A Clockwork Orange, it's a novel I read, um, I think in my late teens or in my early 20s, actually. Um, so I, I read the, the, the book on my phone. I mean, I didn't have a physical copy then anyway, on my phone then in Nigeria. And it completely like blew me away. Like it was like... I'm telling you. <laughs> how, I mean, I have a copy here anyway, so... Like how can can you, how can you? I mean, can you write a book in such a way? I mean, like how how do you dare do this? Like how do you dare do this? It's it's like, yeah, and it it's. I have the ability to say I I, I cannot do just one sale of them at once, right? Anyway, um, like growing up, growing up, my mother. It's even though my mother, my mother didn't have. I mean, the opportunities I, I've I've gone on to have in life and. Um, she just had like very, just basic education, but she is one of the most literary people like that I know that I've ever met. And yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean her use of imagery and her use of figures of speech, you know, 
as a, as a little child, like it's just delighted me, nourished me, like she nourished me in language, built me up with language and all that. And 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 so like I think reading this book, I started finally seeing those things about what I thought about art, right? Seeing it, I mean, come into play in in the, in the clockwork orange. It was really wonderful. Anyway, um, another thing about the clockwork orange is how I mean it is of language. It's linguistic. Uh, exuberance, recalcitrance, whatever you want to call it, how it's hugely helped in like, articulating this experience of being a young, being a young man, being a young man. I mean, being, not just a young man, being a young person. I think women also, young, young women also express like all these crazy feelings of rage, angst, anger, I mean, against the world, trying to understand what the world is all about, you know. Um, yeah, so and it's, it's usually like for me, it's, one of those books I read that that just seemed to like like capture I don't know in a in a very visceral not as visceral but like in, like in a very very total wholesome whatever I can't even find the, the words to describe it sense of what it means to be like a young person and that voice and that rage and that yeah um, that countercultural countercultural yeah ways of, of uh, the young people see the world yeah and and that did it for me another book did it for me too is and the Catcher and the Rye, which the book and my novel also, in a way, intertextualizes, although not very overtly, anyway. Yeah, and now talking about uh, the um, the metamorphosis, it's yeah, I mean, it's one of my favorite books. I mean, I read it as a teenager too. I read it on my phone. I mean, I didn't grow up with books around me. Yeah, all like like many people here in the West are privileged to have. Like you just have that books everywhere. That libraries around the streets. There are, yeah. charity, there are charity shops everywhere that sell second-hand books. But that was not the kind of, yeah, I didn't have the opportunity growing up as a child, yeah. Anyway, so I read the book on my phone, thanks to the internet. And um, it's just this wonderful book for me. It's as a child, then as a teenager, it's, it just seemed to depict what that colonial and post-colonial experience was, I mean, for me. Uh, I mean, I mean, it seemed that we woke up one day, all of us, in that, like, in my country, Nigeria, in my former parents come from in Ososo in Nigeria, Nigeria, whatever, the whole African continent, you might say, in a way. It seemed we woke up suddenly one day to realize, to be told, oh, that we are black, or we are primitive, or we are not this, we are something else, and all. And we, we thought we had a huge heritage, we had a huge, huge culture, we had something, we had, we had beautiful poetry, we had all this stuff, but, but it seemed, I mean, due to the legacy of colonialism, and all, it seemed as though we we had woken up to be transformed into those, into those uh, beings or whatever, into those, 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 I don't know, those, uh, what is it with the word? Representations or whatever, or senses of, of who we're supposed to be, whatever. So the legacy of colonialism, the that was, I mean, did it so well for me, even though, I mean, it was written by, I mean, a white man somewhere mm-hmm. in the West and all, but it spoke to me very strongly in that sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, Reggie. I got, I, I got what I want to say in my head. Yeah, no, nah, I mean that—that's what reading's all about, though, man. Like, and and so much, so much of the time, right? Like, you you talked about how you reading the Catcher in the Rye, right? And and you're identifying with like some post-colonial thought from that, and it's like, yo, you really did the work. Like, that's what reading is all about. It ain't about too much time. We get caught up in, yo, man, this this dude ain't black. I can't read that shit. You know what I'm saying? Or this this person ain't black. I can't read it. And it's like, you know, while you were describing that, I was thinking of the book. And Akili, you know, I've, heard, I've talked about this book several times. Um, I was thinking about my experience where we had to remove this post. 
and just how, yo, like Shorty in that book, like, you know, I'm a straight black man. She is a lesbian black woman and I or a lesbian white woman. And I found so much in her life that I related to just in terms of what she was looking for and what she was up against. I'm like, oh, I, I feel that I can relate to that. But as long as you just see what's on the page and don't worry about all that, like other bullshit, man, you can. It's some rewards in reading. Yeah. And I would say to that, um, that's what writing's all about as well. Like, I'm really, I really dig this idea of, I think Hernan Diaz was the first person to kind of talk about it on the show, but this idea of like this, this almost like linear, but more so like multi universal um, way that you can read a book and then create something vastly like, like something brand new. Right. So, like, when I read, the Clockwork Orange is one of my favorite books of all time, right? Ooh, I had the oh. same, I had the same feeling when I read it. I was like, "Yo, like you can do this, like with the language in terms of like creating this whole new language." Um, and and then also just like you said, the imagery and and the brilliance and this idea of I was born in this chaotic thing that's shifting and and through violence, right? I want to like, I want to like create structure, right, for myself and for my droogs. You know what I mean? And and then. Um, this is something I want to get into later, probably, but then this idea of classical music being the thing that, uh, you know, Alex loves, right? So same thing kind of with Andy for me, it's poetry, you know? And so there, there are these, these ways that something brand new comes out of this work. There's even the, the part where, you know, like Metamorphosis is about this switch, right? And there's a part where Andy's voice croaks and he says that she makes a creature out of him. You know what I mean? And and there's just, you know, the things yeah. that you don't even really probably think deeply about as you're working, right? Because it's just that you have that literary landscape in your brain and this new thing comes out of it. So that's why I kind of wanted to ask the question because I see it, but I know, uh, you know, even in my writing now currently, how other things, how other things can kind of be influencing a work, but not, like there's a way to, you know, completely make the same work over right and that's not what I, I that's not what your book does and that's not what i want my work to do but there's a beauty in seeing you know how this work showed up here you know yeah yeah man yeah. No, that that was dope i like everything that's being said here and then that that was even a full circle moment to what steven was saying earlier about intertext too right and 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 speaking of intertext um you know, something that wasn't lost on me is that, you know, the love story, one of the love stories, I'll say, not not the, I'll say one of the love stories um, in this book is between Andy and Eileen, which what wasn't lost on me is the fact that Andy's name starts with an A, Eileen starts with an E, right? So I was like, oh, look at Adam and Eve, maybe, right? <laughs> And, you know, I've been saying for a long time, I've been saying this forever and I probably never do it, but I hope I do. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to read the Bible, man. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to just do it because there's so many literary works that are not only in conversation with other literary work. Well, I, I guess the Bible's literature, too. Right. So one of the literary works that a lot of books are in conversation with is the Bible, you know, and, and, and it makes sense. Right. And, you know. Not only is this Adam and Eve thing and like even the fact that there's like an actual Garden of Eden in the book kind of like reference. There's like many allusions, I'm sure, and references that I probably don't get just because I'm not uh, the most, uh, you know, biblical person. Um, and even with Eileen, and, and I hope you'll appreciate this, 
I was wondering if she was in like a like a super position, right? I was wondering if she not only served as like Eve, but also like the serpent, right? Which perhaps would make Andy kind of in a super position as well, right? Shout out to Schrodinger because he's like kind of Adam and Eve, I suppose, right? And I say all this to not only share with you some of the thoughts that I that I had in mind while I was reading your work, but also just so you could talk to us a bit about, you know, just the work that the Bible and maybe even other religious texts are doing throughout the five sorrowful mysteries of Andy Africa. Hmm. Well, I mean, thank you for I mean, yeah, all you've said, yeah, wonderful, yeah, wonderful readings and all, and yeah, and and I hope, of course, uh, like readers who read the book, who of course make their own, like, they have their own personal readings, interpretations mm-hmm. of, of the text and all, yeah, which is what makes literature and all arts very, very fun. Um, yeah, talking about the Bible, it's true. I mean, it's, I think everything about me, I mean, it's about the Bible in a way, right? So, um, like, I I mean, my community, where I grew up from, I mean, it's, it's a very religious country. Nigeria is a very, very religious country, yeah. I mean, perhaps more religious than, than many people in the West would ever realize until perhaps they actually visit themselves to see, yeah, and to experience, yeah, a very, very religious country. And my family too is a very, like, a strongly religious Catholic family, I mean, that, that, that I come from. And so, I mean, the Bible, it's, I mean, it's a text that's not just the Bible, even the whole, uh, the whole uh, theory of Catholicism, the, the whole system of Catholicism, yeah, the whole, yeah. Um, even Catholic theology and all that. So I mean, it's, I mean, something is, um, it's something I'm hugely steeped in, right? That I mean, that I, I mean, that that was, so I mean, since when I was a little child, that was all I could remember, all I could think of. I mean, of course, think about I mean, scripture, about prayer, and all that. So, and of course, I mean, even as a little child, being made to think, to, to. I mean, to relate different parts of the scripture to see how they speak to each other. I mean, when I was a little child at home, where after prayer or whatever, when we read the Bible, like I would ask, oh, like to, to I know we're in Sunday school in, in church, to, to try to derive, oh, how does this, this piece of the Old Testament, this passage of the Old Testament, how does it relate to this passage from the, from the New Testament? How do they connect, interrelate, and speak to each other? And um, yeah, I think that is also from where my, my love for, for arts, for Right from for literature, I mean, also uh, came from. Because um, um, I remember, like in church, where I pray, praying in church or whatever in the church, um, always wondering, oh, like those prayers said by the priest, that priest often reads from, I mean, from those are big books from the sacramentary. Like, where did where are these who were these prayers? Where did they come from? And and where are these what are these prayers uh, actually like, actually saying anyway? And, and all that. So all the, so, so just being being awed by all that by yeah, by by um, all those influences. So um, I mean, the Bible plays a huge influence in my work, like very, very huge influence. I mean, I think the many times I'll, I've read the book, and the many times I'll I'll still read this book, I'll keep finding like many subterranean, many perhaps even accidental like references and influences, and like it's so huge. I mean, like for example, the title of the book, um, the Five Soulful Mysteries of Africa. Africa. Mm-hmm. The Five Soulful Mysteries is it. Prayer of the Rosary in the Catholic Church, and it's and it's this prayer that reflects on uh, the final moment of, of Jesus Christ uh, from his agony in the garden when he and his apostles were in the garden prayed and 
and and where Jesus was praying for strength, yeah, for I mean the for the passion that he was about to suffer. I mean the crucifixion, the suffering, the crucifixion and death that he was about to suffer. Yeah, and the scourging at the pillar when he was being beaten and all, and the on kind of thorns when he was when he, when the, when the soldiers, the Roman soldiers, was across and on him a a thorn of a, a a crown full of thorns. Sorry, on on him. Um, the kind of cross when they carry the cross to Golgotha, the crucifixion and death and all. Yeah, so I'm um, while writing this book, I in those, those the very very first drafts, I saw how like many elements of Andy's story, yeah, right, from his obsession with whiteness with the West and all, like that crazy obsession, just also synonymous, for example, to with Christ's final moment when he was in the Garden of Eden and and he was full of so much doubts himself because even Jesus and Christ just himself even though He's also went through doubts, moments of torture, moments of horror, fears, and and when when he wanted to he he wanted to to um, so in a way abandon his his journey right whatever what he was really, uh, destined to do and all according to what the Bible said and so all those stuff so I so I saw this very very strong very influence strong similarities even when Andy was being beaten for his anti-African beliefs right uh, where he criticizes his teacher Zara and all that. Uh, so I don't want to go into how these things relate, but but that we just so it was just so strong that I just couldn't give this book another title, and I had to respect that. And and the title also led me, uh, I think, through the right direction in telling the story. I think without this title, I'd have perhaps digressed into something else, which wouldn't have wouldn't have helped Andy's story or helped his his um, depiction of um, the the intelligence of the contemporary. Nigerian uh, society, contemporary African experience. I think mm-hmm. uh, if there's if there's anything like that, anyway, if there's anything particular like that. Well, um, so yeah, so this the title is I think a very powerful title for me. I think it's uh, yeah, I think it's very powerful. Yeah, now nah, I even googled the, the five sorrowful yeah. mysteries. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry that you have to you have to Google, but uh, you know I had the choice, but to use the title, yeah. Yeah, you know what? Um, you know what, yeah. Ridge, I think would be uh super funny. Like, if, have you ever? Do you have family members that are Masons? I don't think so. Yeah, no. yeah, I think that would be a interesting, a super interesting journey for you if you ever <laughs> ended up like doing it. It would be you would you would love it, but it'd be a super interesting journey for you. Um, I this is something I just wonder. Um, it just kind of came to me. Um what is your relationship with Andy? Right. I, I was reading one author and I don't mean like in the traditional sense, right? Like when a lot of, a lot of times folks feel like a lot of times folks feel like, you know, like a, a character can be autobiographical uh, and stuff like that. Now I don't mean it in that sense. Um, but I was watching one of uh, my new favorite writers, uh, Jamila Minix, Jamila Minix talking about how she doesn't write characters. She writes people um on instagram and the way you hold your book makes me feel like you have like a really deep connection with andy uh you know in terms of uh you know crafting him uh spending time with him like you said to the point where you put down your food can you talk about like your connection to andy and uh, and other characters and and you know like the intimacy of it yeah um I don't know. I mean, I mean, I love Andy, right? I mean, after all, I spent so many years just trying to to listen to him and 
and I mean to try to represent him as, as best as I could, right? Um, yeah, I mean, in the end, he's a fictional character, right? In the end, he's a fictional character, and uh, um, well, a fictional character who I think is very interesting. I mean, his voice, his perspective on the world, and all that is like really, really interesting. And and with him, with just with from his just his perspective, I mean, I, I was able to to reflect on so many many things about my community in Nigeria, mm-hmm. about about my experience of being Nigerian, about Nigeria itself. Um, that otherwise would have been very, very difficult to do. Um, maybe it would have been a bit of putting or a bit, a bit rude or or just be irreverent for irreverent sake, I think. Um, um, so, I mean, and that his sense of humor is oh, his, his own unique perspective. Yeah, he's just very, he's very, he's, he's unique perspective and he's, um, and how charming he can be and how innocent he also seems that, I mean, allows us to feel some sympathy for him, despite some, some of his views. Um, and it really makes him an interesting character, a, a very interesting lens. I mean, I mean to visualize uh, the post-colonial setting, I mean, my own post-colonial experience, uh, the post-colonial setting that I'm trying to depict and all that. And uh, yeah, so by the end, yeah, it's a fictional character. But I mean, of course, I love writing Andy and, and, and his voice is just so wonderful. It just, Face with so much delight, and I just want to write write, write about him. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah so yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I just thought about it because it was like yeah. you know, it's it really yeah. cool to think about. And one thing you yeah. said that I think is super important: this idea yeah. of being able to explore, um, you know, the postcolonial setting and yeah. the uh, you know, just just you know, some of the things that come up probably for lots of folks in Nigeria, but are difficult, yeah. like you said, to kind of approach. There's a part um, in conversation with Zara, and she laughs about how a lot of Africans call her a witch or wasted yeah. genius on Facebook, how they keep reporting her page to be blocked, and how lots of white people, over a thousand now, have followed her page. And then she <laughs> says, sadly, uh, whites know the value of what we have better than we do. That's why they're always ahead. Now, this is in reference to her ideas about anti-futurism, and other things like Africa being the future of the world. But this, unfortunately, is the standard of a lot of things. I'm quite sure a majority of like my followers are white um, for uh, a black man reading. Uh, I know for facts, but my biggest supporters are white. I know I couldn't get into the African-American studies class at my university because all the white people had taken it. Um, and, and because of that, I end up having the only class that was available was post-colonial studies. Um, and I know that, you know, like black folks fear Boudin and any other African spiritual system. Uh, and I know white folks who have traveled to the continent to learn them. Why? Like, so I I was saying all this to say, this is one of those things that I would think is something difficult to explore, right? Um, that Andy makes, makes available, but why on earth is this? Do you think this is an unfortunate truth? Um, and what made you include it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's um, yeah. It's 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 sad. It's sad anyway. But it's but it's very clear where all these things come from. I mean, I mean that is the, uh, that is the the legacy, um, the impact of of colonialism, right? It's it's so huge. Like it's, it's honestly, it's so huge that we cannot fully with our human brains fully like comprehend it, visualize it. Fully. It's like yeah, this. yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's what Andrew calls HXVX. I mean. I think this this uh, philosophical idea of the hyper object that things 
um, systems, whatever that are, that are so huge that so beyond our, compre our comprehension. For example, let's say the size of the universe. For example, it's something we can never fully understand. Like yeah, we can never visualize the brains or like uh, five dimensions, six dimensions, all those all those hyper dimensional objects and all. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah. So the legacy of colonialism and how I mean um, the impact it has on the mind. You know, right? Uh, apart from things, impacts in terms of uh, how it, it makes us to it implants in, in us some form of even internalized racism or appropriate racial oppression, right? I mean, for um, um, structures in, in us what, that, that, that tend to make us oppress our own sense, our own beliefs and, and, and all that. And yeah, and it's so huge, it's all, all, that, all that kind of stuff. Um, and Andy is so wonderful because uh, he gives these opportunities for, creates opportunities, like opportunities in, in the story for this mm -hmm. to spotlight like, um, this very complicated, uh, com complicated uh, issues like you know in the post-colonial world and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, nah, and, yeah. and you know why you mentioned that that Zara quote, Achille, and, and while you know Stephen was talking, I was thinking about even um, just uh, just just a scene, the scene where you know um, Andy goes to uh, Abuja, and you know to see Eileen, <laughs> right, and. It's interesting the tug of war that was at play there. Like there was a whole lot going on there that I love reading because, yeah. you know, you got Andy just, oh my gosh, he his admiration for her. Like I know every woman in the world what they man to admire. Boy, Andy's scary a little bit. The, way, the way Andy admired and worshipped my lead, I know, man. All these, all these people who want yeah. a man in their life, they like, man, I need, I need my man to be blind like that. But yeah. man, um, what I was thinking of was the fact that you know, Andy's all like admiring her, but also wondering, like, okay, yeah, maybe I'll have the posture like she has, and I'll have this like she has the whole time. She she trying to be like him. You know what I'm saying? And that is the interesting part of colonialism to me. One of the interesting parts is how, you know, they make you feel like you ain't got shit, right, on purpose. Because they know you got a whole bunch of shit. They try, like Achilles yeah. doing for the for the, the, the listeners. He was doing they like a run into it. They're taking off, they run into it and taking off with it. That's also what they're doing. They run to scoop the ideas and just, just take off with it. And, you know, what I would like for you to talk to us about, uh, Stephen, is the battle of, like, cultural appropriation and cultural appreciation that, that's, that's being had um, in uh, Anti-Africa. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, if... If you look at the book essentially, um, I mean the the book has uh, or just a place whatever around this uh, with different kinds of structures. For example, one of the structures it plays around with is I mean duality or dualism, whatever. I mean, you find dual systems. I mean, at play in the novel systems such as, for example, um, I mean the, the relationship, for example, between the science and faith, or or yeah, all the dichotomy between them, whatever science and faith, or um, science and arts and all that and uh, yeah here yeah, now you, you bring one I mean, a very a very interesting one in terms of um, yeah the, the cultural appropriation and cultural like uh, uh, is it assimilation right you said 
Yeah, yeah, I was saying uh, cultural yeah. appreciation, appreciation, right? Appreciation. Versus cultural appreciation, uh, yeah. simulation is yeah. good too. Yeah. I was just gonna say because yeah. essentially yeah. that's low key what he's trying to do. He's trying yeah. to like yeah. assimilate into white culture because yeah. he yeah. he says like the reason it has to be a simulation is because everything works over there. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. a simulation works as well. Yeah. So so that so that is uh, the the impact of uh, colonial violence, right? Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going to use this word a lot in this interview, colonial, post-colonial, this term, you know, but yeah, that's what the book is about anyway. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the colonial violence is all about making you to deny who you are or to reject who you are. And, and, so, and, and so when you're in that crisis, so that you can be haunted, you can be, so, things can be stolen from you or you can be attacked, you can be, just, just like, I mean, a robot trying to, I may steal things from you, right? They, they'll come, they are going to attack you, bludgeon you with something with your head, cause you to, to concourse and all, so that you can, so, so they can actually steal from you. I think that is what it's all about. That is, these are like the, the, the procedures, whatever that, that uh, colonialism like uh, operates through, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I so try to sell Andy, like the, the beauty of the West and uh, to make him. To make him much more uh, easy, make him easier, whatever, or make, make it to make things easier for them to to rob, to destroy him, and all to destroy Africa and all that. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, man. No, that was um, that was just very interesting to me, and I even think of like you know, just like Father McMahon, right, yeah. and you know, Sister Lakeland, right? Like, like it's it's all the same game. It's just some some versions come like softer you know than, than than others right and i wanted to just read this right i just wanted to read this and since mathematics gives us tools for theorizing about complex abstract structures permutations thus provide a concise medium for theorizing analyzing and understanding these complex systems of life even our very own movement anti-futurism and look I ain't gonna lie. All, when you was talking all that math stuff and the permutations, I understand none of it for real, right? But I loved it. it <laughs> what, what is it? No one knows what it means, but it's provocative. It's provocative. Right? It gets the um, people going. <laughs> and what what I liked about the, the math, though, right? So so in the United States, and I, I, I'm sure it's probably like this everywhere else too. STEM is 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 the wave, right? It's all about science, technology, engineering, and math, right? But in, in some instances, I've seen people try to call it STEAM and they try to add art into it. And that was something I thought was so interesting about your work. Like, yes, it's about math, but it's also about the mathematics of, of language. Right. Because you have these these moments in the book where you'll say um, like, oh, hey, this word minus this letter is actually this right um and i want you to talk to us about steam right Whoa. science technology art right science technology engineering art and math and just the role that you think steam plays like the embracing of the sciences the tech and all that with the arts the role you think that plays in the five sorrowful mysteries of Andy Africa. Yeah, so as I was uh, saying earlier, so um, on the like the theme or the 
the structure of duality uh, at play in, in the novel. Um, so about, for example, how I mean, it's, I mean, the science on the one hand, art on the, on the other, or science, faith, um, uh, math, literature, like there's this this dichotomy, this yeah, this dichotomy, whatever, in the novel, and and it's so important for me because. I mean, if you think about the world, I think uh, you you would say that, I mean, humanity uh, often presented so many problems, right? Different kinds of problems, yeah. And the problems that yeah, that that science, technology, you know, mass, I mean, can, can solve and all, and that they, of, they often solve very very well. I mean, that they can one not just solve, but one define very well, define, understand, and, and provide solutions to, yeah. But um, but there's too many other problems too, other problems that have been there for, for millennia now, problems that have been there for millennia that we actually don't have answers to. And in fact, we don't even understand what those problems are, like, I mean, fully, like, I mean, huge problems, for example, for example, like the existence of God, for example, or how does the mind and body relate um, with each other? How do they relate? And um, I mean, what is consciousness, like, for example? Because it's, this is becoming, for example, a very, very big question. I mean, now in the, in the age of AI and all, uh, GPT and all that, you know. Um, so how all this, how how do uh, how do these things like how do they relate to each other? How do they? Um, I mean, what do they mean? So whatever in the novel, Andy uh, uses science, right? Science, not just science, but of course arts, um, faith, religion, and all that, um, poetry, literature. So he uses all these different disciplines. Want for I mean to to unravel himself for doing that to try to understand who he really is this post-colonial object. Uh, on the other hand, he can to to examine his community to explore what his community really is to to theorize about it to analyze it not just on not just his community but also his continent. I mean the world around him. He's just this fifteen-year-old boy who is just who's coming of age, who is, who, are, who is just plagued with so many mysteries, right? So many mysteries, not those internal mysteries, but external mysteries about the world. And, and so, and he's using all these tools, as many tools as he can, as he can lay his hands on. I mean, because he's a very smart kid, right? So he's laying his hands on all these tools to, to unravel things, to understand, understand things. And, and it makes it very funny. It does it in a very fun way. I mean, so readers might, might think, oh, it's going to be a very, very heavy book that it's not, but not, not not like that at all. It's actually quite playful. He does and do his uh, explorations in a very very playful way, playful engaging way, which is which is which makes him a very special character. I think, yeah, yeah. And and I just think it's I think it's dope to see like just you know black characters in general just really embracing the 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 maths like that, you know. Because yeah. um, I was yeah. I was even thinking I'm like. I don't think I've read that before, right? I, I'll never, I'll never get on here and say something ain't been written before, because that might, you know, you you just never know. But I've never read that before, and I, and I just think it's good. Like I'm trying to think of, yo, there might be a Nigerian 15 year old Andy that finds this book, right? And you know, finds, oh wow, like this Andy good at math just like I am, and it's cool and it's dope. Right. This this Andy likes literature just like I do. That's cool. That's dope. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I just I, I was a fan of it. Like I said, yeah, maybe I didn't understand all the symbols and the triangle. Like I, I 
once math started including letters, I got bad at it. I was good at, uh, you know, what they call PEMDAS back in the day, right? And when it was just parentheses, exponents, uh, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction, I was cool. Once they started throwing letters, Y equals MX plus B and all that, I know I had to get up out of there. Yeah, yeah. I, I would yeah, um, yeah. Go, go ahead, uh, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I do I do understand what you mean. And uh, I mean, when I was a teen, like, I think there are many things about Andy that I also share, right? I mean, you asked the question about how my, like, relationship with Andy, you know. Um, but, I mean, at 15, I loved mathematics. I, I had a wonderful like, math teacher in school. Uh, and, uh, and he, I mean, I, I loved math. Like, I would wake up early in the morning before um, uh, prayer at home, right? Before morning prayer at home. I wake up around, like, 4 a.m. or something. And I'm really, like, I turn on my, my bed, my lamp. I had a small lamp then. I would just begin to solve some maths, and all. It's just really wonderful. Yeah. And, but you have a you have a yeah. degree in math, don't you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So that was that was, that came much later anyway. But um, um so at fifteen, so I also loved poetry. I write it. I started writing lots of poetry, you know, and and so and it just like that's one of the main like major like revelations I had while writing this book, realizing that this element of myself, aspect of myself, things that I really enjoyed doing at that age, that oh like. And you could also do those things. And the graphic helped to make him be interesting, but not just interesting, but actually help his journey of self-discovery because he, he would have all these different tools, devices to, I mean, to try to understand the world or lock the world with, and uh, which would make the, the book, might make the book like interesting in a way yeah, for some people. And uh, yeah, and, uh, but again, I mean, I, I think that most at least almost every any big person who picks up the book to read like doesn't even need to understand oh what any x or y is in the book and they will still get to see what the book is because the book is not a mass textbook, book for example and it's just and you know and then it textualizes mathematics and uh, yeah i'm sure it's passing or something or yeah but yeah thank you yeah yeah no, <laughs> yeah no, yeah no doubt, man. and speaking of mathematics uh i was gonna uh, i'm gonna try and merge a few questions together in my head, but um, there's um, there's this this Zara represents like this return um to like uh, African concepts to a certain degree, right? And I think while you and Reggie was talking about that, when I was gonna talk, I was gonna say like mathematics is like a a very like African thing, right? Like their mathematics were used right throughout various different things, and so that re- this return or like this idea of anti-futurism and this idea that Africa is the future is, is important. Right. And I was thinking about that, even when I was talking about the white folks who are literally all, who have always been in Africa, right. Like they've always known that Africa is the future. Right. And I know China is big over there right now as well. Um, to which it makes me think about every African is a witch wizard or superhero. And on the right, uh, every African has a halo circling over their heads. So these are the two tattoos that are on uh, Zara. And throughout the novel, there's this push and pull between a belief in the magic of African folk and the belief in religiosity. In fact, I think that there's just a there's this huge battlefield for the African identity in general. When you look at the Christianity and the when you look at the riots that are occurring with, between Christianity and Islam, right? When you look at, like I said, the white folks coming in and coming in and going out, right? When when the when the stuff hits the fan, how does Zara represent the space in between and the ways Africa oscillates between these 
these different uh, buying powers or these different um, people, stakeholders uh, for, for the African identity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, yeah, so, you know, like, um, um, like the, the post-colonial self now, right? I mean, I mean, I mean, like we Africans, like me as an Nigerian, for example. Um, so, I mean, we've been there, we've been there in our country for, I mean, for millennia, right? Mm-hmm. And then these guys come over with their religion, with their ideals, their philosophies, and they come to change things, and they, mm-hmm. and they change things. And so, like, the post-colonial African now is still going to be the same person. Like, it can never be the same person as... Yeah, it's all, yeah. They can never be, yeah, be the same person that they were before colonialism. And, and so, like, they're changed, you know. And, and the only option I think that they, they would have is, like, uh, syncretism, like, merging very different, different uh, facets of things, different elements, let's say, from... For some from the West, yeah, abrogating it and appropriating it, yeah, to, to, to use in African settings in African systems. Yeah. Um, um, also have hybridity to make, make it hybrid of things and all that. And they, yeah, in a way, yeah, Zara is like that because Zara, I mean, creates this, um, this movement, this religious uh, and cultural movement called Anifuturism, yeah, where she con- creates a conflation between animism, the, like, the Asian systems of thoughts, uh, Asian philosophies, creates uh, African heritage, right? Yeah, and and she also also merges it with with um, uh, Afrofuturism, mm-hmm. Afrofuturism, which also of course deals with I mean elements of African history, elements of African history, but even at home, I am from the diaspora, right? Um, um, and and also like that that sense of the future, like um, the future that which Africans uh, and not us Africans, black people worldwide have been like been denied by history. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so trying to reclaim, I mean, this past, the past that will be, the past that will be also need to be denied because we, I mean, I mean, the violence of the past, the colonial violence of the past, and then claiming that future, the wonderful future of the present, of the future, right? And uh, the future, the the reality, whatever, the wonderful experiences of the future, whatever, and then yeah. wherever. So trying to merge this past and and future into this. Uh, presence into this presence kind of theories, presence um, religious and, and cultural movements called the futurism. So yeah, so in a way, Zara is like is that in a way that perfect uh, post-colonial uh, person or project, uh, such a project, yeah, project or object mm-hmm. in, in a way, and uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, like Andy who is still like uh, reveling in the colonial past. I mean, he's theories about I mean Africa about himself his identity still like still delighted more on them um, on the colonial past the, the, the narratives whatever that has been fed on him by the colonizers and all that yeah so yeah. anyways that is an intermediary in a way yeah we just say wonderful we are reading uh, yeah have you uh I know you read Fanon I know that was in there have you read Alba Mame's uh the colonizer and the colonized no, no, no something you said at the beginning yeah. of you of what you what you were talking about is that this idea that you know, because of the post, because of colonialism, and who you are as a post-colonial person, you can never really reclaim that. Right? Yeah. So you have to. Yeah, that's. Uh, he's a. I think Algerian. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But that was one of the books I had to read in post-colonial studies. That oh, and, uh, and some yeah. Fanon. Uh, but that Meme is. He's. A, it was a G. 
and and, uh-huh. and what he was kind of spitting in that one. So you should check it out. Yeah. Oh, check that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think it's a theme wherever you know, in post-colonial studies in general. Yeah. I mean, the Humiki Baba, all these guys, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever. Let's mm-hmm. go with there anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. And and so I thought of like a lot right now when when y'all were just uh speaking um you know one thing one thing i'm thinking of and this is kind of circling back earlier to like uh clockwork orange and its influence right is the thing about and, and i'm kind of merging things akili kind of doing what you do here i was also thinking about how y'all basically describe what i call a lot of cooks in the kitchen mm. right i mean when it when it comes to africa there's so many different cooks in the kitchen i mean yeah we had nigeria featured you know in this novel but this similar story could be told, I'm sure, in several you know, different countries you know, throughout the continent, right? And the thing about it is all of these cooks create a dystopia. That's the ultimate recipe that they cook. And one of the, the sad things I'm realizing that dystopias destroy is imagination. And the, the beautiful thing about the characters in this work is they didn't let the dystopia destroy their imagination it's like what you were saying Kelly, when you went to the band book festival uh kiese has the thing where they're destroying they're trying to destroy people for wondering mm-hmm. you know and that's something that's been sitting with me a lot you know you even wrote about that in the days it's like we have to protect our imagination at at all costs and um you know you that that's a profound thing i think that that you showcase um in uh the five star for mysteries of andy africa yeah yeah oh, yeah. yeah thank you yeah and yeah that's one something wonderful about andy he's this very creative person and uh yeah and and he and he keeps imagining even though sometimes his imaginations can take him a bit too far right far away for example when in the novel he theorizes that uh Maybe Africa is actually like a computer simulation and all that anyway. But um, yeah, but that, that imagination, unless imagine those imagining I mean very abstract things, but he would imagine like a better sense of life for himself, right? Imagine a better life for his mother. I mean his mother who who is full of so much potential, but who has been rendered like what who has never had the opportunity to achieve yeah, getting to where she's supposed to be, yeah, no, and and yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, man. For sure. Shout out to mom, man. I mean, there's like literally, and I was thinking of this too, like we could have been here. We could be here like all day going through all the themes in this work, there's man. So, so many. Anybody, so, many so much good stuff. Anybody who think we spoiled anything, trust me, we just scratching the surface with Andy Africa. Like, <laughs> like there's so much stuff um, going on in here and done well. So yeah, mm-hmm. man. Um, and and Steven, man, we'll we'll get to these closers here, man. So um for my mama, her marvelous mysteries. Um, okay. can you speak to us about your mom um and uh why you end up ultimately deciding to dedicate your debut novel to her? Yeah, my mother is um yeah, I mean my mother it's what what can I say about my, my mother, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she's, okay, I mean, in terms of how she relates to my, my novel, I mean, she's very different, yeah, from who Andy's mother is, right? Yeah, it's a very different person, you know, but, but my mother is, um, yeah, I mean, as I said, a very, very wonderful person. I mean, she, like, nourished me with language, right? I mean, she didn't have the educational opportunities that, I mean, I've gone on to have in life, you know, and, and, 
but not with language, with imagination and her humor, her sacrifice, her selflessness, her. I mean, she's fun. She's she's also also a very very wonderful person, and it's a privilege to actually have her in my life. And yeah, and the sacrifices she's made for me and my siblings, the endless, 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 endless infinity, like sacrifices. It's uh, like she's the greatest person for me in the world, you know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um. Yeah, she deserves more than that. But I mean, what what can I do? I mean, I don't know so much about her. I, I could write. Maybe I have to write a book about her someday, right? In future, to to actually like maybe that's a way to actually like thank her or to yeah, whatever to, to put her. I mean, to, to immortalize her in a way. I don't know if that is if I mean if it can actually make someone immortal. Maybe yeah. or if anything I can write can become immortal. But yeah, but yeah, she deserves anything. Yeah. No, that's, wow. that's that's beautiful, man, for real. And now nah, I'm not gonna lie, when you was talking about her just now and like revering her, right? I thought about how ultimately, like, even despite some frustrations that Andy might have had with Mama, like he ultimately revered her, and he was kind of yeah, funny about he, it. That when time he flashed too. out, remember he flashed out on? Yeah. Uh, I think that was Auntie Linda. Yep, man, flashed out. And, <laughs> yo, and I'm even thinking about how he was like. I know this is funny. He's like, yo, I don't want nobody call my mama sexy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yo, I'm not gonna lie. I was like, yo, he just like all the kids I knew, including myself, when I was coming yeah, out. That was some real And to go hard. And to go hard. And your biggest literary influence or biggest literary influences. Yeah, I mean. I mean, as I always say, I, all, almost all the books I've read, perhaps all the books I've read have influenced me in some way. Um, yeah, and I mean, it's hard to, to say, oh, like, these are the writers who have influenced me as a writer because I think I am still trying to discover who I am as a writer. I mean, a few years ago, like, maybe five years ago, if you had told me that I would, I would have written a book like this, I mean, a book that's a, I mean, people are, some people have described as trying to comic, as funny, you know, or that, that was a bit, I don't know, very direct. I used some of these stylistic elements. I, I wouldn't have like believed you, right? Yeah, but so I'm still discovering myself as a writer. And uh, yeah, but in terms of uh, the books that influenced this novel, I mean, you've mentioned one, I mean, Clockwork Orange, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think The Cat and the Rye, Things Fall Apart, um, uh, Vladimir Nabokov, for example, uh, I mean, Lolita, for example, and some of his other novels. Um, um, I think I should talk about uh, Fyodor Dostoevsky too. I think it's right that, of course, strongly, strongly influenced my novel one day. Yeah. Yeah. The book you want Achille and I to read if we haven't read it yet? Hmm. I don't know if. Uh, <laughs> what, what book would I say? Um, hmm. I'm just looking back at my shelf here. I know. Whatever, I have some some new books here anyway. So yeah, I do, I've not read this myself, but I but I'm looking strongly looking forward to it. It's yeah, yeah. But uh, Mister Mister by Guy Kunarapne. So yeah, I think, I think I can recommend this because I've heard so much about this. And I'm looking forward to meeting the, meeting the author because uh, we're going to have an event together. I think um, later this year. So yeah, yeah, in London. So yeah, I'm going to recommend this. That'd be yeah. fly. Yeah, that's um that's actually being published over here uh by Pantheon. 
Okay. Because um, oh, I nice. seen um I seen Lisa Lucas uh you know talk about um I guess acquiring it or whatever or somebody over there acquired it. Okay. Um. So yeah, man. No, nah, that's a that's nice. a dope shout out. Good. Wonderful. Yeah. All right. So tell us who you would like to see as a guest on Books of Pop Culture. Uh, but if you are connected with the person, then you must disclose your connection so we can be connected as well. I, I met uh, I don't, this author. I don't know what you've interviewed her before, and Diana Evans. I met her recently, I think last week, you know, and uh, yes, she was really wonderful. And uh, yeah, so I've started reading this novel, Ordinary People. I don't know whether you've mm. read it before. And so I, I think she would be a wonderful guest. Yeah, if, if you would invite her. And uh, yeah, so. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I definitely I have a copy of Ordinary People. Um, it, my cover is a bit different, obviously, yeah. over here in the U.S. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember when that came Great. out and all that. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's really lovely. She was yeah, really lovely. I think uh, that was the second time we've met. We met years ago uh, when she came to to my university for like a master class and all. You know, but she's a very lovely person. I'm sure you would enjoy uh, having a conversation with her. For sure, man. And uh, Stephen, easiest question of them all, man. Um, tell us what you're able to share about what's next for you and um, just the best place for people to go to follow your journey. I know it's not social media, but maybe a website or, you know, anything like that. Yes. So um, I'm still like in the early stages, right, of my next project. So still, yeah, still. <laughs> Still like in the wilderness in a way, right? Just moving around, moving around, moving around. I would like the best the best way right to write and all, yeah. So so hopefully I'll, I'll have something concrete like within the next few months or, or so. Um yeah, so um, I, I think just searching online, yeah, they would see yeah, what I've been up to, like a number of interviews, yeah, I mean of mine have come have come up, you know, and, and many many others as as will soon will soon come out anyway. And of course I, I think I will uh, so I'm going to have a, I'm going to create a website. I don't want to say very soon, but but soon enough, like within the next few months, and uh, so to, to just like catalog all my like features and all that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's dope, man. That's dope, and um, you know, Stephen, man, thank you for your time, man. Thank you for this work, listeners, viewers. Y'all make sure to get y'all copy of <laughs> the Five Sorrowful Mysteries of Andy Africa, preferably from bookshop.org slash shop slash books of pop culture for Stephen Bureau in the killing Missouri. I'm Reggie Bailey. This has been another edition of books of pop culture. We'll see y'all next time and take care. Peace. Uh, cheers.